Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. All right. Okay, okay. Now, no, okay. First of all, let our listeners hear oh, this. this okay, this I, I want the three of you to come up here. Up to this microphone. So, I said viewers. The listeners, okay, you got two seconds to guess what's going on here. One, two, three. And then. That's a slurp. That wasn't Coca Cola. <laughs> I don't know what it is about drinking beer in a podcast booth, uh, especially with the brewmaster who made it, yes. but there's something very you, special. You're making an assumption that, that our guest actually made what we're drinking. Well, I'm assuming it's the case. Okay. Well, okay. That, that's a good introduction. Dave, why don't you introduce our, our I, friend and our guest? I would love to introduce you to Wendy, whose last name I always mix up. Papadopoulos. Thank you. Come on, Dave. Say it. Papadopoulos. Papadopoulos. Say it ten times. Spell it. P a p a d o p o l o u s. Wow, you're good. What? Is that? Yes. Come on. Oh, that's great. It's right here on my cheat sheet. That means Kim. Kim You Oh my goodness. Wendy, thank you for coming. I had a chance to interview. Actually, I I the so we we know we've known Wendy for a while. Right, we both would know of Wendy for a while, and I was at the beer festival a few, probably a month ago. Eh? It was Wendy? a wine festival. Oh, sorry, it was a wine festival, and then Big Tide Brewery was there, and I said, "Wendy, how you doing?" It's been years actually since we we've chatted, um, and I distinctly remember um, coming back from some trip somewhere. I was on a plane sitting beside you, and you were sharing this story with me about um, you know being a brewmaster in Alberta and this idea that you know you, you're going to find a place to do it in in. St. John, and then you f- we fast forward like I don't know eight, ten years or whatever it is, and there you are serving. And I I knew this, but just to see it, and then and then I'm at the wine festival, and I'm I'm kind of going back for beer to Big Tide. So I had a chance to go in, um, interview you, and so I've learned a lot. And they said you got we got to get you on the podcast. So welcome. Maybe you can do a quick um, you know you introduce yourself to the to the listeners and and tell them a little bit about Big Tide. And and, and she should, she should also introduce the uh, characteristics of this incredible. Absolutely. Possibly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, well done, Greg. Thank you. Nice job. My name is Wendy Papadopoulos, and I'm the brewmaster at Big Tide Brewing Company, uh, located at 47 Princess Street in St. John, New Brunswick. Uh, Big Tide's been open for almost seven years now. Um, St. John's first and only brew pub. Um, One of the, well, actually, one of the first small craft breweries in New Brunswick, um, aside beside Picaroons and Pump House. Um, and since we started seven years ago, the craft brewing industry has gone from the four of us in New Brunswick now to, I believe, 29 with more imminently coming. Like microbreweries, not brew pubs. Uh, microbreweries, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a couple of other brew pubs that have popped up, but not uh, not not very many, so... And this is kind of exciting, too. It's interesting because we look at this as... A whole mu- whole bunch more competition, um, but it's also must be really exciting as well to see 
this microbrewery or microbrew revolution happening right now. Absolutely. I've been involved in the brewing industry for 22 years, probably. And so I've seen peaks and valleys um, as the craft brewing industry has grown. And it's at the strongest it's ever been now is in my recollection. But uh, it's particularly in New Brunswick. It's really exploding at a rate unprecedented across Canada, second to maybe Nova Scotia. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it is really exciting. It does bring on more competitors, but what that does obviously is makes you up your game. Would you say that, uh, the community of competitors are pretty tight? Like I think about Sean Dunbar at, uh, Pickaroons, he's probably helped 90% of, of all the, all of his quote unquote competitors help them start their businesses, including the hop farmers and like, like, why don't you explain the New Brunswick beer scene and uh, just so other people can understand what, what we've got going on here? Well, you're right, Greg. Uh, Sean really has helped everybody. And when we started, not only Sean, uh, but Sean Fraser from Pump House. And, uh, and, and it's really kind of evolved to be a very kind of collaborative There's uh, and supportive industry in the province, whether it's amongst brewers or, like you said, with hop growers. Um, there's There are more and more people now starting to grow barley. So we're trying to bring as much home to New Brunswick as we possibly can. So it's not unheard of to, you know, to ha- I've done collaborations with Many of the brewers, uh, actually, I've had many of the people that have started breweries into my brewery and showed them around and kind of, you know, told them my experience in, in brewing as well as in starting a business and, the, you know, where to go to get this and what you need to know to, you know, from a regulatory perspective or what have you. So And you you have, a, you know, it, like I'm thinking of the Sean Dunbar story because Sean's known to all of us and Pickerons is a, is a is, is big type brewery, great, is a great uh, microbrewery. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> You, you told me a really, I thought, quite amazing story that really demonstrates how collaborative it is. And it was it was when you were looking for uh, some oh, kegs. kegs. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we uh, being a small brewery and really being maxed out in terms of production um, from and what we sell at the pub, there's also an opportunity for us to grow in the future and really trying to expand into different markets. And the NB Growler program was one of those um, opportunities. However... So, so just for the listeners, what, yeah. what is the NB Growler program? So a growler is a, a 1.89 liter jug that use it's a refillable jug of beer that you go into um, a brewery and you fill. You own the growler, you take it, you take it home. It's about a little bit less than a six pack. And it's become very, very popular amongst craft brewery, craft brewery enthusiasts because you can go locally from place to place and you can bring home beer straight from the brewery and and it just it's fresh and it's and uh and it's consumable really quickly so and you don't you know you don't have to deal with uh, cans and bottles and all those kinds of things and it's just something that's evolved over time um the liquor commission in new brunswick kind of caught on to the fact that this is a really good revenue generating opportunity because that's what craft brewers or brew enthusiasts were demanding. So they um, started installing taps in their liquor stores. And so at any given time, um, they, did, they piloted it at four liquor stores, I think, in the province. And they're adding as they build new facilities. So it's here to stay, that's for sure. Um, so what they do is they bring in beer from New Brunswick producers as well as from other areas and maybe beer that people normally wouldn't be able to get. For us, we don't package our beer other than selling it in growlers out of the pub. So being a part of the growler program just expands our reach. So 
But it's production scheduling nightmare because we have to fit it in. It's a lot of beer. They need, uh, you know, they, they need a lot of beer to satisfy the four stores. So I planned way ahead, and I thought right around Christmas time, we have a chocolate porter. We'll get that into the liquor stores, and, and that'll be great. But in order to do that, we needed new kegs. And we ordered these new kegs. And I was away um, waiting for these kegs because they had to be delivered on a Wednesday. And I was actually in Fredericton. And the kegs were supposed to be on the truck. And they were coming and they were coming. And so finally I said, somebody call the trucking company. They hadn't left Atlanta, Georgia at this point, And it was oh a Tuesday. And the beer had to be delivered on Thursday. So we scrambled and we needed to fulfill this order. Like it was really important to be able to do that. So... I was in Fredericton, and I called Sean, and I said, hey, can I borrow some empty kegs? And he said, yeah, go to the brewery and help yourself. So, wow. I, I mean, yeah. I, like, so, I mean, that's, a, you know, again, for, you know, we're familiar with all the parties here, but that's that's your, essentially, competitor helping you fulfill an order that really helps you in, in you know, kind of extend the market reach. Absolutely. And, and you know, and, and, and that, isn't that brilliant? No, because I, I, cause, I, cause I, someone else could have said, no, you know, like if it was this really competitive industry where it wasn't about helping each other achieve or holding new standards, or, but or about building screwing, industry screwing together. the other guy. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I just think that's a really neat story. Yeah, and, and that's, and, and that's like one of so many right. stories. Yeah. Yeah. But here's a question. Um, it, is that unique to New Brunswick, or is this a, brew, a microbrew uh, phenomenon? And the reason I ask that is because in New Brunswick, um, we are all incredibly collaborative. Um, I'm sure, Dave, in the coaching world, there's a ton of other coaches out there, and it's, it's probably quite a collaborative experience. All the filmmakers and video production companies, we're all helping each other out, lending each other gear. But in Nova Scotia, where I lived for many years, hyper competitive and will not help. And I found other, I mean, that's not a general, uh, I mean, that's, that's just my experience. Sure, there, are, yeah. there are people that, no, no, but like it's, 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 there's something special about New Brunswick, I find, that's more collaborative. Uh, and we've, we've got listeners from all over the place, not just New Brunswick and, and Nova Scotia, but in the brewing world, is this a unique New Brunswick thing? Or is this the, the microbrewery, the spirit of microbrewing? Yeah. I, I can only say I've had experience in the industry in Alberta and in New Brunswick. So uh, as far as I can tell, in, in terms of the relationships that I have with brewers in other provinces, I think it kind of might be a unique brewing thing. Um, but I've never had to reach out uh, to the extent and ask that kind of favor in other provinces that I have. But in terms of collaborating, asking questions brewing together, um, mentoring and all those kinds of things. Like I've always experienced anybody that I've known in the industry has been very open to, you know, sure, come on in, you know, just come on into my house and help yourself and ask as many questions as you want. There's no, they don't, there aren't any like really guarded secrets that no one's ever willing to not yeah. give up. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a really great you, industry. You know, it's interesting. And like, so, you know, we're talking about the, the, the uh, growler program and I was in, uh, you know, filling up my growler, a couple of days ago, and I had some from it was called the, the Collaborative Brewing Corporation. Yeah. So it's so I, my sense was it was two or three you know microbreweries that got together to 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 deliver what and I can't even do you know what and I and I really enjoyed it it was like a low alcohol really nice um, so collective arts maybe maybe it might yeah. have been yeah. yeah yeah I mean every like everybody has done collaborations at one point so in it's time a, it's, it's, so it's an industry thing almost right? absolutely yeah you, oh cool? you learn so much from yeah. brewing with somebody else it's it's really quite amazing you think you've you know you think you know a lot about what you do and then you spend seven or eight hours 
hours uh, with somebody else that does things a little bit differently, and you always learn something. How much do you um, love walking in? And, and Big Tide Brewery is a really neat space, right? And so I've been in a few times. I went in to interview Wendy, and then I went and I went back with my family a couple times, actually, to experience it. Um, and, like, so for you, you know, because and I'm kind of going back to the time where I don't know, you know, if you remember this, but we're on a plane from coming back from somewhere. It was kind of a late flight, and you're telling me this story, and I remember thinking, "Wow, that would be cool," and you know, not really knowing if it would ever happen. And then, then I'm walking in, I'm going, "Geez, look what this, look what she's done!" Like with your partners, yeah. you know. Um, what's it like walking in and seeing, you know, uh, the big vats in the back and everything you're doing and all, you know what I mean? And and this, and I was on, a, I, we went there on a Saturday, and we could we couldn't find a freaking table. Yeah. It was like so full, you know, and, and your servers were, by the way, excellent. Fantastic. Yes. Thank you. Yes. And we were in with my, and I was in with my daughter who was six and the only oh, funny thing was, what, what, what beer did she like? She was big on, <laughs> <laughs> um, she had no beer, but, but what was interesting is, is, uh, I think it was, it was like, it was kind of seven, eight o'clock at night and people were a little surprised to see a kid in there, but I, I kind of, I thought it seemed to me like the family environment. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But what's it, so what's it like for you walking in and seeing kind of the, all the, even the artwork there is really cool. Yeah. I mean, meaning your the. Sorry, I'm I'm going on. No, that's okay. Let I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> Who's interviewing I'm, I'm a real fan. I've become a real fan. See, Greg's like this. Wait, um, what do I do? That's okay. Have another beer. Kick Give me him up, more kick beer. Kick me off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's really, uh, what was the question? No. Um, I really enjoy what we've created. Like, I'm really proud of it. Um Literally, Big Tide was kind of conceived on a back of the napkin kind of, you know, we, we kind of want it to be like this and we don't want it to be like that. And we had this idea of really about the vibe of the place long before we had a location, long mm-hmm. before we had, um, you know, a, you know, a concept, a name or anything like that. We wanted it to be a place where everybody feels comfortable, where your kids or my kids can kind of walk in there and, and feel just as at home or my mother or university students or, or what have you. So... I, I, I kind of walk in there and, and really feel proud that we've achieved that because you can, on any given day, you can have, you know, blue collar workers and oh, I don't know if that's a term anymore, but, you know, you can have construction workers and you can have tourists and you can have senior citizens and you can have a table of kids all sitting next to each other and everybody feels comfortable and there's something for everybody there. So that's cool. Um, yeah, I'm really proud of that. And I mean, it's become, I mean, it's my ho- It's my second home, basically. So, you know, my kids, my family feel very comfortable there. And, you know, there's nothing more exciting to a kid that, you know, can go in and use a hose and spray down an entire room. So they love coming in, too. Um, and it, it's, it's really neat, too, because <clears throat> previous to Big Tide, there was taps. So we're, we're, we're talking many years ago and like before microbrewing was really even a movement, it seemed like, uh, I mean, this is probably 15 years ago or longer than when taps came to King street and Wendy, you were working as a brewmaster there for a while. At the tail end of it. At the tail end. And that's where you and your current partner, business partner came out of and I remember that was my place of pride. Whenever anybody came, a visitor, I'm mm-hmm. like, we've got a microbrewery here. Yeah. Let me take you. You know, I'm a mug club <laughs> you know, <laughs> member. So you've been in this game for a long time. And uh, it's just neat to see where the industry's gone since then. Yeah. It's, uh, it's 
it's it's something that I've never I I'll never be able to leave behind. It's something that I love to do. It's it's my I mean I I have a day job, so it's my hobby I guess theoretically. But it's it's my it's my passion. It's, like, it's, my brewery it's, it's is my artist studio. It's it's kind of where I like to go. Like the beer that we're drinking now. Yeah, and what let's is talk it? about this. Yeah, let's <laughs> talk about this because yeah, it's phenomenal. Okay, so this beer, what does it taste like to you? Okay, okay. I was gonna say chocolatey to me. Can I? Maybe it's because I said the word Coke earlier. Uh, but I don't drink Coca-Cola at all. I don't drink pop. But when I had the first sip, it had that that really lovely, sweet uh, cola taste. It's, a, it's it a root beer, actually. There we go. It's Interesting. A, isn't that funny? Without knowing, yeah. in, in, in my head, I was like, what? this is taking me back to pop, yeah. right? It's a, it's, a, it's a porter, like you said. Um, but That's root beer. Why am I saying Coca-Cola? I just as- associated it to pop, yep. right? That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's not fizzy like pop, but it does have right. that. It it's does got, have that sweetness. Things. So this this one was really interesting because the, we actually, and it just won the People's Choice Gold Award at the St. John Beer Fest last weekend. Nice. So nice. Congrats. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. There we go. Click click. See why. Yeah, it's, it's so um, good. So root beer. Yeah, what I wanted to do with this one, um, as you mentioned, it it becomes very competitive, and and there's only so many styles of beer one can make. So, you know, with 29 craft breweries in the province, everybody has an IPA, and everybody has a, you know, a red, and you know, so to to really stand out and differentiate yourself, like we make our we make our beer at Big Tide based on what our customers like and sometimes just what I feel like doing. But I always find that, especially in the home environment at St. John Beer Fest, I always want to do something really special and I always want to do something unique that really sets us apart from all of the 200 plus other kinds of beer that are there. I have stake because the Beer Fest has been running for five years and we've won People's Choice Gold or Silver five years in a row. Wow. Come on, really? I know. Wow. How does, yeah. So how does, how does like, what's the criteria? People vote. It's a, it's literally people's choice. Everybody gets, everybody, the, all the 550 patrons that come Jeez. through the doors each get that, a ballot. No and, pressure on you. Well, right? no kidding. <laughs> So months before a St. John Beer Fest, I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to make? What am I going to make? And uh, I started doing a little bit of research in terms of what's, what are beer trends and, and uh, came across the concept of a root beer. Uh, there's, a, the, the, uh, there's a brewing company, company in Vermont that does one called Not Your Father's Root Beer. which and That's one I had in Chicago this summer. Yeah. It was amazing. It's it awesome. knocked me on my, like, it was like 9% or something. Yeah, one run of it is like I think the standard stuff that they release now is about five point eight. The stuff that you guys are drinking now is six point three. Um, so it's yeah, careful when you Yeah, yeah. But uh, so woke but, me but, up. You, but you wouldn't. Uh, well, it's good. It woke you up. I've been really sleepy. You've been drinking. And this I, one's actually woke me up. And, and on the table, and it wasn't the Red Bull. Red Bull as well. <laughs> so go figure. But okay. w- but what's interesting is there's not. It's like there's a nice kind of aftertaste, but it doesn't hang too long. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and how, it's not overly sweet, like not your father's. Because because yeah. I actually, uh, a friend of mine who's a hop farmer um, had been into the States and, and I was telling him, and he has a farm and stuff, so I was telling him kind of what I wanted to do. And he comes in and helps me brew sometime. He's a hop farmer, so he, he's really interested in kind of the process. And and so he had been down in Vermont and brought me back a couple. So I had that as a point of reference. And I tried it and I thought, okay, well, that's too sweet for what I want to do because, you know, the, it's a very discerning crowd and, and you... I can't just make a pop. Um, they they need a beer, and no matter what it tastes like, it still has to be a beer. Beer, right? So um, 
I kind of did a little bit of research and there was really vague guidance in terms of how to pull this off, but I knew kind of what flavors that I needed. So I, my, my, my friend, the, the hop farmer helped out a little bit and we knew we needed birch bark. Um, and we needed sarsaparilla, and we needed sassafras, and we needed a bunch of other different things to flavor it. So the night before the brew day, he went out and cut down a birch tree and stripped off the bark and showed up at 6 o'clock in the morning with fresh birch bark. And we added wow. that into the beer, like a whole tree's worth of birch bark. Wow. I know. Okay. Uh, and we, it's crazy. And we added. Okay. This is what we're drinking right now. That's what you're drinking right now. Right? My goodness. Can- Canadian birch bark. Canadian. This is great. Straight from Darling's Island. Yeah. Um, Darling's Island. Wow. So, uh, and so we used uh, birch bark and we used some sweet gale in the kettle to give it that win- birch actually gives a wintergreen kind of flavor. If you, if you deconstruct root beer, what you get is wintergreen, um, caramel and sassafras and sarsaparilla, of course, and a little bit of licorice kind of flavor. So that's kind of like, it's like, how am I going to do that? But anyway, uh, so we got the birch bark, we got the sweet gale, and then during fermentation, we added vanilla and sassafras and sarsaparilla um, and a little bit of cane sugar. Uh, most of the sweetness that you get is just leftover, unfermentable sugar that comes from the grain. But uh, So, like, you know, she's describing this. It's really neat how she describes the process, right? But. Like, tell the listeners a little bit about your background, you know, in terms of your education and and what you bring into being a brewmaster. Sure. Um, That's a really good question. So it's a long story, too. I have an undergraduate degree in microbiology. So that's kind of what got me in the door in the brewing industry. I had no intentions of going into the brewing industry, but just by chance, actually sort of by accident, I ended up as the assistant brewmaster at a brand new microbrewery out west in Canmore, Alberta. And I was there for for 10 years, and I ended up starting as assistant brewmaster and ultimately went on to be brewmaster. And then there were some mergers and acquisitions, but I always stayed brewing and I became VP operations. So uh, when you talk about transferable skills uh, in in career development, I mean, that in itself was the best way to pick up absolutely everything along the way. So, you know, background in microbiology, but I also had to do a fourth class power engineering ticket kind of in an emergency situation. I just challenge the exam. Um, but you look at, you know, stakeholder relations, you look at regula- in the regulatory environment and reporting. And this was back in the days before websites existed. So, you know, you had, God, that makes me old. Um, I, was, I was just thinking, I remember those days. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I used email for the first time in 1999. Well, someone, someone earlier, we had, a, we had a past guest uh, reference the old pages. So oh, there yeah. you go. I mean, yeah. you know, they we're dating ourselves. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Kodak film. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. So, um, so, yeah, you pick up all these transferable skills along the way, but my background really is in, in microbiology. And then um, I was out, out west for, for 10 years and, and working in the industry and, and, and got a really good, you know, sort of sense of, of, uh, of how things worked. And then I decided, we decided to come home. And I thought, okay, well, I'll obviously get a brewing job here, but that didn't actually work out. So I ended up working in economic development, which is where I met both of you guys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I ended up in communications and then in investment attraction and small business um, support. And I taught a, a semester of how to start your own business at university in the fourth year of business, uh, fourth, for fourth year business students. So 
You start adding brewing experience and marketing experience and stakeholder relations and kind of pile up all these kind of skills and it makes a whole lot of sense when it comes time to start your own business. It's, it's like Steve Jobs, eh? He says you, you, uh, you connect the dots looking back. Absolutely, right? yeah. I mean, if, if people, if every job I've ever had, if anybody had, had hired me based on the fact that I actually knew what I was doing, I don't think I would have ever been hired. That's quote. <laughs> <laughs> so, and and um, the other thing, you know, that's related to that is, that, you know, you've got, a, I think, a bit of a savvy around marketing and and you have a, a really, so actually, what's the name of the beer we're drinking right now? It's called Tool Shed Root Porter. Tool sh- Oh, okay. So there's a neat story behind it. So every one of your brews has an interesting name, a wonderful label that's stuck up on the wall, and, and it has a story. Absolutely, Every and, so, and that's and that's what's. I mean, I mean. So your customers. I mean, I know for me as a like for me as one of your customers, it's kind of neat to know the story that's behind, you know, the various where it comes yeah. from. Yeah, and this and the name Big Tide itself, like that was a product of okay, what is it about our brewery that's going to make us stand out? What's reflective of our environment, and and we wanted to you know sort of keep that 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 St. John flavor in what we did and high tide, you know, highest tides in the world. Like, where do we go with it? So all of, you know, and it gets, it, it was easy at first. I say that we came up with the name Big Tide and we can kind of create a brand around that. So we have our fog bound hemp pale ale and we have our Celtic mist Irish red. And, you know, so the first kind of six to 10 different kinds of beer we brewed, it was a little bit easy because there was like easy pickings. There was like Benedict Arnold extra special bitter. There's a lot of history in St. John yeah. to be able to, to rely on. Yeah. But now, seven years later, the nice thing about being in a brew pub environment is you're not stuck to brewing those six. You can brew, I can brew whatever I want, but then I have to come up with a name for it. You're constantly a marketer. Constantly a, a marketer. storyteller. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, so, like, what's the origins of this? Well, I actually got my start in brewing. Um, brewing root beer in the summer... At a, over on the Kingston Peninsula, my, every year that my dad would get out the big wash tub, and we would actually—you can't really call it brewing—but we would make root beer in the big rot wash tub in the backyard, and we use the pop shop bottles, and we would oh, yeah. bottle yeah. it, and yeah. then leave it warm till it carbonated, and then stick it in the fridge. But the tricky thing about making root beer like that is if you don't get it in the fridge fast enough, they explode. So, um, because the fermentation causes the, right. the bottles to explode. And you ex- so, experience that? We only, yeah, we ha- and, and our, our place on the peninsula, we have, there was a couple of barns, and one's a small one, and we called it the tool shed, and that's where the fridge for the root beer was. Oh, nice. So, we put, um, we, we bottled it, we put it in the fridge, and then the fridge broke. But we didn't know. <laughs> so, you know. A f- full fridge of root beer exploded in the tool shed. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. So I, when I knew I was brewing a root beer, I knew it had to be called tool shed. Um, and I didn't want to call it a hard root beer because I really wanted to make remind people that it's actually a beer. So it is a porter. Um, but I wanted to incorporate that. So tool shed is really... I see. That's beautiful. We keep coming back to that. The story behind the product oh is so God. critical. Totally. And like I... I do have to drive today, um, but I want more of this. This is fantastic. We have to wrap this up. Yes, but I wish we didn't have to. I know. Well, how well, many we- more growlers do you have with you? <laughs> I can go get a keg. It's just down the street. Well, that's right. <laughs> yeah, we're just around the corner. Um, how do people find out more about you and the amazing brews you have and and Big Tide? What, what's the what's the easiest way for them to check this out, especially for the beer enthusiasts out there? 
Uh, well, um, they can certainly find us on social media. They can find us on Twitter. They can find us on Instagram. They can find us on Facebook. By just put, like Big Tide, Big Tide Brewing? Big Tide Brewing, okay. yeah. Big Tide um, Brewing, okay. Mostly everything is Big Tide Brewing. If anybody has any specific questions and they want to talk about it, I'm always willing to, to do that. So just leave me a message on Facebook or Tweet me or I see I'm tweet books. <laughs> yeah, what do you do? Um, <laughs> tweet books and face tubes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> on the interweb. Um, I would love to be part of a, um, you know, the opportunity to name one of your beers in the future. So I'm just going to throw awesome. that out there. And I bet you, you would like it too, Greg. Yes. And we would certainly <laughs> talk about it on this podcast. Well, so, I think the boiling point is actually kind of a, a nice, oh, a nice beer name. Wait, you know what? So like something spicy for maybe a little. <laughs> You know what? Actually, I can do that. And I. <laughs> well, this is Cayenne, cool. maybe? <laughs> uh, you know, well, can I tell can I, Do I have two more seconds? Yes, yes. of course. Yes. So every. Now you got as much time as you want. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> We're talking about so, bowling toy, bowling so every room. year. Um, for the past three years, the, the St. John Free Public Library is the oldest library in Canada. Yeah. And, and they started this event at the library called Beethoven Books and Beer. And the first year they came, it was like the 150th anniversary. And they said, can you brew a special beer? I'm like, yeah, I can brew a special beer for that. And then I'm like, oh, what have I got myself into? Because I'm like, okay, what's a library beer? Right. And I had to think and think and think and think. Um, and so I'd have, you know, ultimately what I ended up with was taking, and I've had a, an extensive history in libraries. I've worked in libraries. We had an extensive library in my house. Um, so, and it was all, the library at my house was also when we were in high school where we'd go and like sneak and drink peach schnapps and stuff like that. So <laughs> for me, a library was like rich and smoky a little bit and, and, and really kind of a place to go explore. So I ended up making this beer called Three Pages to the Wind Whiskey Pale Ale. So that was really challenging. So yeah. that's for you guys to come to me and say, boiling point. I'm like, okay, now i got to make a boiling point beer. How so creative. i got to think about how that's you guys really are. Cool. Yeah. And, and, and to be able to kind of take my experience and oh. your experience and kind of put it all together. That's an awesome it, yeah. let me challenge. Ask, let me ask look, you a question, look how excited Wendy. we are. Right yes, now, we were very excited. Let me ask you a question, Wendy. Would it help if listeners kind of gave you some ideas as well? Like, would that help? Or is this, like, how does the process work? I mean, is it from, from your perspective or do you want input? Like, how do or uh, every beer has to have a really rich story behind it because it's just boring if I was, said, well, I was talking to Dave and, and Greg one day and then I made a beer. So, you know, like a listener input would be fantastic. Okay, well, this is a good challenge then. Okay, okay. The boiling point, and we're not pressuring you to do this, by the way. but No, this is fun. Uh, the boiling point uh, it, as a name could have a number of different stories behind it, ones that we don't even know exist. So if any of the listeners... Would love to taste a beer called Boiling Point uh, Beer. Yeah. What's the story behind it? There we go. <laughs> okay, so that's a good that's a good ask. I yeah, think that's a good ask. What does it mean and to you? What does it mean oh. to you? Okay, and then we let's let's put our thinking caps on this one. I like this idea. And then th- this, this would, be, this would really be a great fun. way to, to drive uh, to drive as much attention to uh, Big Tide on Facebook as possible because we'll make this thing a Facebook uh, campaign. Awesome. All right. <laughs> so um, our takeaways. I want more. <laughs> I just want more of that stuff. That was Are you great. supposed to learn something it's from delish. me? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I, I, I think a, a, a takeaway for me is um, that Wendy has, like she calls it a day job, but she's she's got like a full-time career uh, building things that she loves to build, which is beer or making things she wants to make. And uh, it's kind of your side gig, but it is, you know, you found this way to... to uh, 
to really support this this growth and it's phenomenal product at the end of the day and I think that would be really good for a lot of our listeners who may have an entrepreneurial spirit but might not have the have the yeah. ability to leave their job right. or and maybe they think no I, I you know I maybe it, maybe I'll, I'll make a business when I retire or something like this I, th- I think that's a really neat uh, takeaway do it now do it now if it's what you love yeah well and, and the other piece of that I think is you know when you think of uh, you know like you look back at your life and a collection of everything you've kind of gathered in terms of experience knowledge you know wisdom um and then if you can, you know, what does that look like, you know, as a potential business? And, you know, you think of your your story, right? You come back to be a brewmaster, didn't quite work out. Next thing you're in economic development. Well, how would that connect, <laughs> right? Yeah. And yet now you're part of an industry that's actually, you know, actually has the potential to, to, to do great things in this province, Absolutely. you know? And then that whole marketing savvy. And so I see, I see, I think that's a really... Um, that's for me always a fun part of it because I think we can, you know, like I said earlier, uh, connect the dots looking backwards. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you so much for having me. Greg, um, you did well. I have jet lagged and everything. Yeah, thank you. Uh, the beer actually woke me up, I, which was I, nice. Yeah, it's root beer. Yes. I totally beer. guessed wrong. Yeah. I said chocolate. I didn't do with this. Now it's caramel. Weird I'm say caramel. Well, there's Stuff. chocolate wheat malt in it. You well, totally nailed it. Oh, did you hear that? I totally nailed it. Well, All I, right. I, I nailed the pop thing, right? You did. <laughs> <laughs> See you, Greg. Are- Thanks, Wendy. Thanks. Did you say we're really funny or something? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the two of you together are almost smart. Almost. <laughs> oh, almost. Oh, we're still so, so recording. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on BlastTheRadio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's BlastTheRadio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter.